Hey everybody, welcome back to the Shea Station podcast, the Mets podcast brought to you by John Boy Media. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Jolly Olive, a.k.a. Jack, and joining me is former Mets pitcher, Jerry Blevins. Uh, for those who are active on social media or have kept tabs with baseball in these you know, trying times where the sport really hasn't existed, uh, some interesting things came to the spotlight of media coverage yesterday, especially considering that the Players Association and MLB decided to not schedule their next meeting. Uh, former Mets pitcher Matt Harvey, currently on trial in a very sensitive case over the passing of Tyler Skaggs from 2017. Some very touchy subjects uh, have been brought to light in uh, media coverage, some more delicately than others. Uh, and I thought, and Jerry as well, that today's episode would be sort of centered around what certain players deal with going towards uh, those kinds of decisions and things like that. We're going to make this a uh, very sensitive discussion, and uh, I'd like to give a trigger warning to any audience uh, members listening in. There will be sensitive subjects. Uh, we will be talking about Harvey's dealings with suicidal thoughts and drug use, so if those are things that you may find uncomfortable or triggering, just take caution uh, proceeding on with listening to today's podcast. Jerry, I just I, I kind of want to toss the baton to you first a little bit, just on the discussion of Matt Harvey. I, I I hope that our discussion is a little bit bigger than Harvey itself today, but Harvey is obviously sort of the face of this episode, so to speak. Yeah, that's kind of when we were talking about you know recording last night. That's what I wanted to touch base on. I, I don't want to talk specifically about Matt Harvey too much. You know, it's easy to look back and point blame and say what should have, could have, everybody would have done. It's easy to do that in retrospect. It's harder to do it in real time. And it's harder to do it in a, on a team basis. You know, bottom line is like baseball players and staff, we're all human beings, just like everybody else. We deal with the same issues, same anxieties, the same insecurities the same addiction problems you know and it is a problem addiction is a problem for everybody it, it affects whether you're rich poor white black it doesn't matter who you are addiction and all the issues that surround it um, happen to everybody that's that's the biggest thing is that people are human beings baseball players aren't invulnerable to things of human nature it's just part of the part of the deal so you know for Matt Harvey you know ha having him on my team I like Matt he's a very very nice guy um I don't want to dive into some of the things that went on in the clubhouse I won't do that um I'll let him if he wants to talk about it he can talk about it um I won't go over how the Mets tried to reach out or other teammates tried to reach out because it's none of everybody else's business. I'll let Matt Harvey do it. The bottom line is like, I just hope for Matt Harvey as an individual, I hope he's in a good place. Um, from some of the reports I've been reading, uh, he is in a good place and he's moving forward. I think it's a big, huge step for him to come and testify. You know, there's obviously legal issues for him to testify, but you also have to fess up to some of these things and bring them out front. Um, so I don't know where he's at in whatever process that he's going through. Uh, but I hope he's doing well. And I hope the people around him are are helping him. So that's that's it for Harvey. Yeah, I, I think you touched on a, a couple great things that I want to reiterate. One is that 
every human being is susceptible to these kinds of issues, regardless of what you do or who you are. And I think that being a professional athlete and having eyes on you, especially when you're a starting pitcher, every fifth day you are in the spotlight for half of the game that you play in. I think that, you know, those issues really, you know, it's sort of like being alone on an island. You know, there's nowhere really to hide, especially as an MLB pitcher, especially one as talented as Matt Harvey was for that three-year span. Of course, injuries sort of derailed his trajectory there. The other thing that I wanted to touch on uh, is the privacy issue, you know, kind of moving forward what you said before. I think Matt Harvey is a human being ready to move forward in life, and unfortunately, this trial is sort of dragging him back to the, those past years. And I think that, you know, he's been very professional testifying and opening up about things that probably, you know, he never really wanted aired out in the first place. And I'm glad that as a teammate and as a human being to Matt Harvey, that you're not here to tell stories or air laundry or anything like that, because at the end of the day, it isn't our place. Uh, it's Matt's place in the first place to uh, divulge those things to a larger audience. I think that what would be a more important discussion is just how athletes and human beings end up in this area in the first place, end up with these circumstances, end up coming to these decisions, uh, you know, all the contributing factors that sort of lead to that path. Like I, like you said, and like I said before, I'll let Matt Harvey just tell Matt Harvey's story. If he wants to do that, he can. However, you know, you approach it or I approached it as a teammate or media member or coach or, you know, front office, that'll, that'll, that'll come out if need be. Um, but let's, the bottom line is Matt Harvey is a person and I hope he's well, um, kind of wanted to get into kind of the, the bigger scope from a baseball standpoint of where we're at. Yeah. Um, sometimes it takes a big thing to make changes and, Unfortunately, a young man named Tyler Skaggs had to pass away in order for a lot of the problems to come to the forefront. Um, and in baseball, it's a little bit stranger. It's everything is collectively bargained. So the employers can't just force, you know, certain things. And so they're kind of ignored for a while or brushed under the rug or looked aside. The, you know, as a baseball player, if you show up ready to go, Whatever you did, if you go out the night before and party and drink and do your thing, as long as you show up ready to do your job, people most likely won't ask questions and nor should they because it's none of anybody else's business for the exactly. most part. Yep. If you show up to work ready to go, so be it. One of, one of the best things about playing baseball is everybody has their own way of dealing with the weight of performing in a spotlight in front of millions of people all the time, whether it's yoga, meditation, massages. Um, some people like to go out and have a drink. Um, you know, whatever the case may be, it's all on an individual to do to perform at a very high stress level job. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that goes with it. And so as long as you show up ready to go, most, most of the time, the team's leave you alone. They don't ask questions because it's none of their business. It really isn't. Yeah. And I think that um, it's it's really important to note that, you know, me and you both, we have bad days at work. We have, we, we don't do our best some days and nobody is going to go write an article about how I, I didn't get enough work done today or I, I messed up an upload or something like that because that would be silly. But 
it is a different scope for those professional athletes. You know, if you go out there and you give up seven runs, uh, things are going to be talked about, especially if you're spotted going to a bar later on to sort of deal with that kind of issue, deal with that mental weight that you have to bear because you're living out a dream. That's a caveat of that dream. Yeah. And people are, you know, quick to point out how people deal with things. Yeah. If you remember when Cespedes was with the Mets, he golfed was his escape to be able to let go. And he got dragged through the mud for golfing, you know, rightfully so or not, that was his way of letting go. And people thought that that wasn't okay. And so what are, what are your options? You know what I mean? It's to do things in the spotlight or to not do things in the spotlight. There are no easy answers. There's no set way to do it because everybody deals with things and handles things and in their own way. Uh, For me personally, I think one of the best things that ever happened to me was being moved to the bullpen right when I got to pro ball, because that pretty much eliminated all the days of doubt and free time and downtime. I couldn't go out and show up the next day really hungover um, because I have to perform every day. I couldn't take those days off. Um, And so that really helped me as an individual. Who knows what it would have done with me. You know, I was 20. I turned 21 in pro ball. Those are a lot of people spend a lot of their early 20s and mid to late 20s doing some crazy stuff. I'm not an angel by any means, but I did it. I learned that my job was more important than me partying, you know, at night. And so I'm happy to be a reliever. You know, had I been a starter, who knows what would have happened. But like I said, everything's individual. Yeah. And with with professional athletes, um, especially during the regular season of whatever sport you play, you have to be a workaholic because you're there every day. You're there on weekends. You live with these guys. You travel with these guys. You form bonds with these guys. You are constantly surrounded by the thing you do. I love my job. I feel like I'm living a dream right now, getting to do the show with you and getting to do what I do on YouTube. But on the weekends, I want to take time for myself and not think about baseball for 48 hours. And professional athletes aren't offered that opportunity. You have to go out and you have to play. You have a schedule to adhere to. You have a job to fulfill. And that's just another, I know I used the phrase before, but it's a caveat of the dream. You know, it's the dream to play the game and to succeed at the game. But while you do it, people will be watching and you're going to have to do it every day. So I think it is really important to note that if guys want to golf or go get a drink, I think that's they're right, especially considering they're on camera for like three to four hours every day during the season. Yeah, it's weird, too, because there's a lot of things that we're in baseball, especially we're around each other just constantly Um, from spring training on through the entire season. We're around each other more than we're around any other human being in any other facet, like our families not around nearly as much. And so sometimes you just want to separate yourselves or you need to get away from baseball for a while and get a taste of the real world, whether it be at the golf course with a different set of friends, um, whether it's at a club, you know, whatever, whatever it is that your thing is, some people just need to escape. It's a tough life. Like I'm not, it, there's a lot of weird things that happen in baseball that most people don't understand. It's just a different life than most people would understand. It's not as glamorous as you would think. Um, for, it's not nearly as glamorous as you would think, um, but there's a lot of weird isolating things. Um, and it, it's, I love it. I'm, I, I'm not 
speaking poorly upon it, but it's different and unique. And if you're going through something, there's a, there's a lot of weird, I guess that's where I want to, I want to get into if you're dealing with something. So there's a lot of like, as we're talking about right now, there's a lot of issues of trust between the players association and major league baseball. So there's this weird trust thing. So right now, a lot of it is technology based. So if you're recording your bullpen and your spin rate's not great, but you're just throwing in between, are they going to use that information that they're gathering against you to send you down because you're not at your peak? Who knows? They say they don't, but you don't know that information. If they're monitoring your heart rate or your sleep patterns and you're having a rough night, and are they going to bench you because they're monitoring your sleep? Is that fair? Is that fair for the player? Is that fair for the team? Some people perform, you know, better on tests if they study all night, don't get the proper sleep, whatever the case may be. So there's some trust issues going on there. Another big one is the from the mental health standpoint. So they have when I first got into the league, they have an assigned person to be a part of the team, a little bit of the major leagues and a little bit of the big leagues to kind of go back and forth. I don't know the tried and true, you know, definition of their job and where they go, but they were there. There are people around that you would see every once in a while that are mental health experts, but it's hard for them to get into a conversation and it's hard for them to develop a trust level as a client to doctor privilege in that kind of setting. On top of it, their paychecks come from the team, from Major League Baseball. And so there's a trust issue. Like if I go to you as a medical professional saying, you know, I'm dealing with some really heavy doubt or depression, you know, I don't know what to do. Are you going to help me? Or is your first, is your first loyalty to the team that pays your, you know, your bills? Are you going to go to them and be like, look, this guy's dealing with something you need to send him down or whatever the case may be. So there's a lack of trust there. And it takes, it takes a big thing like Tyler Skaggs, unfortunately passing away the death of a young man, not even in his prime yet Um, from all I've gathered, you know, a great person. Um, But he was a drug addict. Addiction is a real thing. It hits everybody. You're not a bad person for it. And it's really sad, but that's what is the catalyst for some major changes. And so where we are today kind of things are the union and MLB came together and say, we need to do something because before there was no testing for drugs of addiction. There's, you know, minor testing. The only way to test for like cocaine and marijuana and prescription drugs was if you got caught doing something before, and then they could put that on you. Um, And so the players would need to let that get into testing, which is an invasion. It is something that we're giving up. And so we came to the agreement uh, that you can test players for opioids that aren't prescribed. Um, And what we got in return was that minor league ball players could no longer be tested for marijuana, which is an alternate for pain relief for a lot of people. And so whether or not, however you feel about the use of marijuana and its medical purposes, uh, there's some science to back it up and, and football players deal with it. Uh, all the, all the issues, but we stopped testing the minor leaguers for marijuana and we allowed the, the players to start being tested for opioids because everybody saw it as a problem brushing it under the rug or not addressing it anymore became an issue. 
they are moving forward. They are recognizing it. The fact that we're talking about it right now is a huge step forward, but there's also things that you can learn from and how you treated players in the past or, or how you address things in the past you can learn from and move forward and be better. Yeah. You know, you think about it like a pitcher watching film, breaking themselves down. You look at it the next day and you're like, Oh, I can tell that my backside was dragging late. So you make adjustments. And so it's always moving forward. I don't want to play the name game and blame people. I don't want to drag anybody's name through the mud who may or may not have done drugs or been around it or it, it is unnecessary. And it's not my story to tell, but I do feel like, I feel like they're making strides forward. Everything isn't where it needs to be quite yet, but it's on its way. Yeah, I, I think that this episode being a true beneficiary would not come from, you know, telling stories and naming names and things like that. I think that the ultimate goal here is to inform an audience member, you know, the the athlete side of this whole story. Because you, you mentioned before the lack of trust between the MOBPA and MOB, and that's obviously very prescient right now with the lockout. But it goes deeper than just the collective bargaining agreement and money and all that. It's it's about these players being perceived as products because when you go on websites and you read how much they're paid and how much they're getting, that is how you view them. You know, we, we've turned players into numbers, essentially, especially for those that don't watch the game. Uh, they're only familiar with performance and value and all those things. And you sort of forget the human aspect of it all, not even just the everyday grind of going to the ballpark and training and making sure you don't get injured and taking care of yourself, but also the mental weight of it all, how that sort of, you know, fatigues a player over a six month, sometimes seven month period, if you make it into the postseason. And I think these are important things to address, especially considering that, you know, some players didn't feel comfortable talking to those mental health experts, those guys that were supposed to be there to help them, because who knows if it gets out or if it gets to ownership or if it gets to coaches. And who knows if that affects the perceived value that we just talked about, because as inhumane in some aspects as it is to perceive these guys as products, at the end of the day, that is what they're being judged upon. Matt Harvey was not judged upon being a good teammate and being a good friend, he was judged upon what he put forth on the field, regardless of whatever things he got into off the field. And I, I think that it's just important to note that these guys have to bear that up, up in addition to everything else. You know, like Matt Harvey was glamorized. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was on SNL. He started the All-Star game. He got World Series starts. He was really the face of New York for the better part of three years. It is a shame that things like Tyler Skaggs have to happen for change to be addressed, but that's just the effect of a catalyst in the first place. That's the textbook definition. It's weird. Mental health in in sports uh, in, in, in real life is coming into the forefront. We don't know how to handle it properly. There's a lot of machismo and false bravado that goes into being an athlete. This confidence level that you need to perform on the field. Sometimes it you have to push things out, like you're dealing with some things at home. You have to be able to turn things off or even harness that and turn it into fuel to burn and, and use on the field. Whatever it is, it's weird and, and strange. And it's we're just getting the tip of the iceberg into how to handle, analyze, and move forward with mental health. I mean, you saw it in the Olympics with, with Simone Biles. You know, half the people, when, when she was going through some things, 
not, I'd say more than half of the people were like, what are you doing? This is the Olympics, you know? And they were shaming her for the, the way she went about it and pulling herself out. It's, it was disgusting to me. And I hope that doesn't happen anymore on that level to Matt Harvey. People have some empathy and put yourself in their shoes and, and have a little bit of understanding of the human being side of sports. And, you know, it's important to understand that we're, we're just people, man. We have the same problems that everybody else does. You know, it's just on a different scale and we do our things in the spotlight are different. It's just, I feel like we're at a good point moving forward to where we're talking about it and we're thinking about it. It reminds me of, what was it? 2014 and Ray Rice and the video that came out of him brutally attacking his then fiance now I think still wife but that video you know he what came out he got suspended for like two games by the NFL before the video came out and then he was released and suspended indefinitely that was the end of his career but we hadn't really addressed domestic violence or you know uh battery on women uh, violence against women. It was always, there was always a hotline, I believe, to call if you were dealing with stuff at home. They always talked about it in our meetings. Like in spring training, we go through a bunch of meetings. One of them was like, yeah, you have this. If there's stuff going on at home, make a call. And that was the end of it. Everybody would right. mind their own business. But after the Ray Rice incident, we started having really in-depth conversations. Professionals came in where we would address it. Now, if you want to talk about the suspensions and everything, that is beyond me. Um, that is a whole other philosophical problem. But the fact that we're talking about domestic violence, consent, major domestic issues, uh, violence towards women, aggression towards women, how to handle women in the clubhouse, it has become a talking point where we would have open discussions every single spring training. Um, a, somebody that's a group of people that's paid to do that comes in and we have like a fun, not always fun, but a fun interaction, a fun meeting. I, I showed this to all my nieces and nephews and friends. There's a really cool video about consent that I'm sure people have seen. If not, it's like um, a cup of tea and it's these stick drawings about, you know, what consent means. And it's like, do you want some tea? I'll, we should put a link on it below this. But sure. it's a really cool video that was addressed to us in these meetings. And it's silly and fun to talk about in a group of dudes, but it's also important to get it out there. And so it, unfortunately, there's a usually a big event that brings it to light and then yeah. you have to do it. You know, whatever the case may be, unfortunately, Tyler, Tyler Skaggs had to pass away for these conversations to be had. Um, unfortunately for Matt Harvey, he didn't get the treatment that he needed possibly at the time. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on that, but I know he could have used some help maybe in a different form or another, obviously, you know, who knows if he would have got the help, everybody reacts differently to everything. So we don't yeah. know what could have been, what would have, what could have, should have, I don't even want to dive that way because it's un unnecessary, but we're moving forward in the right manner from domestic violence. We're talking about, you know, how to treat women better. Yeah. We're talking about drug addiction and mental health. We're moving forward as a, as a entity of baseball, but we're also moving forward as human beings and as a society. So, yeah, I, I think that all, all of this kind of, kind of says a lot about 
the the sort of eradic- eradication of this the hyper masculine mind that like we can white knuckle through pretty much anything. Uh, professional athletes they're viewed as superheroes. I mean, they're on covers of magazines because you are that superhero image, you and all the other guys that play. Uh, you're viewed as uh, you know non susceptible to any of these things. You're viewed as you know these titans that can overcome pretty much anything. And I think that just like any other human being, sometimes professional athletes don't have the resources around them or the role models around them to make informed decisions and get the help that they need. Uh, Sometimes they don't even realize that they need the help in the first place. And I think that obviously we've talked a lot about catalysts and athletes being humans, but these are the things and these are the steps that are necessary to take to get to a place where athletes can feel comfortable saying, hey, like I, I am not bulletproof. I know I go out there on the mound and I do my thing or I know I go to the plate and I hit home runs, but at the end of the day, I deal with everything. I hear people chanting my name. I hear people booing me from the crowd. And that stuff doesn't just go in one ear and out the other, regardless of who you are. You could be the best in the game. And those things will still affect you because at the end of the day, we all share a commonality in the fact that we have emotions. We have anxiety, some in more severe degrees than others. And for Matt Harvey, you know, he dealt with far more media presence and far more fan attention than the average athlete and probably dealt with more anxiety because of it. And I think that, you know, the Matt Harveys of 2022 and on will hopefully have things around them that'll help them deal with that more than Harvey did himself. The capacity to feel vulnerable um, from a mental health standpoint, you know, Kevin Love came out on the basketball side and talked greatly about it. Um, and I think he, we've made great strides there. It's, it's a thing moving forward that hopefully more guys aren't scared to come forward and talk about drew Robinson. And I was in camp with the giants. Like, you know, that is something that's, you know, he shot himself and luckily for him, he survived and he can be um, a point a rallying point for, for the betterment of the game. You know, that, that story for drew is, is uh, a small, you know, microcosm of some of the isolation that we deal with, you know, obviously his was exacerbated by the, the, the pandemic, yeah. but the fact that, that, you know, you do feel vulnerable. I felt lonely on the road and isolated, you know, it's a weird world. And sometimes when you're going through doubt, you can work your way out of it in a day or two or in 30 minutes. Um, sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes you know, you don't know who to talk to. You don't want to lose that confidence on the mound by addressing it. You know, it's like the yips. People don't want to, you can't say the word around a lot of people yeah. um, because then it's a real thing. So if you don't acknowledge it, it's not real. Um, I've dealt with all sorts of mental health issues through my life. Nothing that severe. Um, addiction for me personally is a scary thought. You know, my my father was a Vietnam veteran that had multiple addictions in his life. Um, And that's in my blood. I know that I have an addictive personality from, so I avoid a lot of things. Um, The fact that you can talk about it now, or we're learning to talk about it, to be okay and open about some of the issues you're facing mentally um, is a huge step forward because this is the only way things get better is by acknowledging that there's an issue to begin with and being able to have discussions with other people about it. So we're at a better point. 
I I feel like we're mo- we've made good strides. We're not where we need to be, and we'll never be. What's the word? We'll never be complacent with where you are, and you can always do things better. And technology and and education comes in more every day, and so you'll always be, you know, looking for the next steps on on how to treat things you know, treat symptoms before the problem is there or be proactive. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a weird landscape to think about mental health in, in sports because a lot of it is drive and inner confidence. And then if this little piece of doubt that wiggles into your head and you're like, I got to ignore that. And so you do, and you're able to shut it out for so long and then it grows. And by the time it's knocking on your door, it's, it's gonna, you're gonna be punished for, for a while dealing with it. And so, you know, I feel like we, we've talked circles around it. Um, but mostly, you know, I hope Matt Harvey is good. I hope he's doing well. I hope he has an ability to find help if he needs to, to the people around him, his parents. They're, he's a good person. I really like Matt, a genuinely nice human being. And so I wish him the best. And I'm sad about Tyler Skaggs and his whole family. Um, you know, I, I, when I was on the Braves, there was a teammate of mine that was pretty close to him. Uh, and he's devastated. And he's questioning, he questioned himself. Like, did I do enough? You know, there, everybody goes through that. Do, what, what could I have done? But it's not about you anymore. Just learn from it today and do better tomorrow and just keep getting better. Yeah, I think the one last thing that I wanted to mention was you you talked about vulnerability before. Vulnerability for any human being should not be viewed as a weakness. I think that we perceive having anxiety and doubts about ourselves and these self-harm thoughts as shows of weakness, that we are inferior in some way. But I, I really do believe that coming out and speaking about these things and being vulnerable about these things just makes you stronger. It, it opens yourself up to getting help, to getting assistance, and to to getting yourself back to a place where you didn't experience these thoughts. I think being vulnerable and I think being open about things that you're dealing with, not only does it make you stronger, but, but it makes us akin to one another. It makes us human again. It takes us away from what other, whatever role we fall under, like professional athlete or content creator or whatever role we have. Because at the end of the day, you know, we all experience these emotions to varying degrees. And I think that being vulnerable is so, so important and it, it goes beyond what we're talking about today, but it is important in pretty much every aspect of life to be transparent and not to suppress and to white knuckle down the things that you're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, mental health is something that we're, like I said, we're just now really being more open to as a society and then especially in sports. I mean, the the landscape has changed so much from when I first came up, the way they we even address it. Um, you know, I've I've seen the full spectrum of of the way you talk to players and talk to other human beings and degrade people to motivate them and hey, whatever the case may be. I feel like mental health is finally starting to get be given the just do as a maintenance thing. You know, you go to the doctor for a checkup. You need to go even when you're healthy mentally in a good place go to a mental health professional and just talk because you might be able to 
to learn why you're in that state of mind, where you are, good habits. Um, there's a million things. And, and I am not a mental health professional at, in any sense of the word, but I do have a lot of experience in mental preparedness and mindset. And it takes practice to, to put yourself in a proper position for a lot of things. Um, it's, a, it's a skill and a muscle that you have to work out and flex. Um, some things aren't capable of being talked through. Some things are real chemical issues in your body and you need, may need medication. Whatever the full spectrum, whatever the case may be, be okay seeing a professional, talking about your issues. Tell a friend, tell your parents, whatever the case is. Um, we're going to link a whole bunch of stuff on this. We're going to have a, the suicide hotline. If you've ever had suicidal thoughts, if you know a friend, if you need somebody, there's going to be hot. We'll, we'll put, we'll put some resources, um, attached to this, to where people can reach out and help someone call somebody, send a text, whatever the case may be. Um, I just feel like we're at a better place now, unfortunately you know, some things have to happen for this to, to, to be brought up, but here we are being better for it. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a pretty good landing spot. I think that you summed that up really well, Jerry. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, uh, thank you guys for, uh, for tuning in. I hope that if you were listening to this and you listened all the way through that you, you took away something from it. I think that these kinds of discussions, they're hard to have. You know, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see our faces. It's a very sensitive episode. It's, some things are hard to hear. But these are important discussions to have because these were conversations that were not had for many, many years, uh, and regardless of what you did or where you were. Um, so sometimes the, the hardest things to hear are the most important things to hear. And I, too, hope that Matt Harvey is doing okay. Yeah, man. It's important. You know, be good physical, mental, all the above. So cool. Yeah. We'll be yeah. back sometime soon with some silly Mets content. That'll be much more <laughs> light on the, uh, there thank you, you guys for tuning in. Thank you. Hey everyone. It's Jack Jelly Olive here to provide you with some resources after our episode. If you are dealing with any of the issues we discussed in today's episode of Shea Station, the national sexual assault hotline is 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 4673. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. And the National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-784-2433 or 1-800-273-TALK. That's 8255. Also, if you're interested in seeing the consent video that Jerry referenced halfway through the episode, if you just go to YouTube and search Consent T, you'll be able to find it very easily. It's a great video. He talked it up really well. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. From me and Jerry both, we hope you guys are doing well, and hopefully we can get back to baseball soon. Thanks again.